0: Hello and welcome to The Alcohol File, a podcast series that explores how we better understand the impact of alcohol in our lives. This podcast is provided by Alcohol Action, Ireland's leading independent advocate for reducing alcohol harm. I'm your host, Una McKinney, and today, along with our guests, we will discuss the effectiveness of minimum unit pricing for alcohol products and assess the public health outcomes that are resulting in jurisdictions where it has been implemented. However, before our discussion, I'm delighted to be joined by Ireland's Minister for Public Health, Mr. Frank Feehan, who, since taking up his appointment, has worked tirelessly alongside his senior colleague, Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, to remove the final obstacles to commencing an MUP in Ireland. Minister, thank you for joining us today and for giving us your time. I know from our first engagement with you after you took up office in 2020 that uh, you've always understood the availability and the risk around the availability of cheap alcohol across the retail sector and that 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 is a really contributing factor to alcohol harm in Ireland. But now that we're on the eve of this really significant development, perhaps you can give us your own sense of what you think can be achieved here
1: and what the outcomes you hope to
0: see emerge in the times ahead.
1: Uh, Thank you, Union, and to Alcohol Action Ireland for inviting me to introduce this conversation on minimum unit pricing. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, I do not come from a public health background, so when I was appointed minister with that responsibility last year, I was on a steep learning curve. On our alcohol side, we already had enacted the Public Health Alcohol Act Act, and were at the stage of bringing the sections of the act into operation. Although I knew that we have a problem with alcohol in our country, I did not really know the scale of that problem until I took up my portfolio and the way we consume alcohol is the cause of 2,700 of our people dying each year as well as enormous illness and suffering that's entirely preventable. The experts had already identified ways that we might tackle this problem and we had legislated for them in our Public Health Alcohol Act. And I saw it as my role to see how I could contribute to getting those solutions across the line. I focused on minimum unit pricing for a number of reasons. First, we had the evidence from our colleagues in Scotland that it worked. And second, it prohibits the sale of strong, cheap alcohol at very low prices. And that's the type of alcohol favoured by the heaviest drinkers. And finally, the obstacles to getting it across the line were political rather than public health related. So I believed I could make a difference. And for those of you that don't know the context, the original government decision, which approved the introduction of minimum unit pricing, set out that we would introduce it here only when a similar measure was introduced in Northern Ireland. And this was to allay fears that shoppers would simply cross the border to buy cheap alcohol if we introduced the measure unilaterally. My first task was to talk to our colleagues in Northern Ireland to see where they were at in their thinking and I was fortunate that I knew Minister Robin Swan from a previous life in politics so we're able to be frank with each other and he let me know that he would not have the capacity to introduce minimum pricing in the immediate future. And I told him that I wanted to bring it in as soon as possible and he was very supportive because he understood the value of the measure. My next task was to persuade my colleagues in government that we should act on this measure and we should act now. Those of you who work in public health will not be surprised to learn that we face some opposition. However, we had very important allies, and none more important than Alcohol Action Ireland, who were able to make the case with us and keep up the pressure. It is a credit to the courage of my colleagues in government that in April last year, a new cabinet decision was passed, which allowed us to proceed with introduction of minimum unit pricing from the 4th of January next year. I am very proud of the achievement, and it was hard going at times we succeeded and I look forward to the impact of the measures in the future. We are in strange times with the pandemic and sometimes it is very difficult to have optimism for the future of public health, but my experience with minimum unit pricing has taught me that with the right knowledge, good allies and political will, we can't move mountains. Minimum unit pricing will be introduced in the new year. And I look forward to the positive impact it will have on the health of our country and to brighter days ahead of all of us. Good luck with your discussions and with your work in the future. And thank you again for inviting me to join you.
0: That's terrific. Many thanks, Minister. Thank you for that. Minimum unit pricing is a central pillar of Ireland's approach to reducing alcohol harm across society and will become operational in Ireland from January 2022. This measure aims to impact on the levels of alcohol use amongst the heaviest drinkers and our young people who are most likely to consume cheaper forms of alcohol. Minimum unit pricing sets a mandatory floor price per unit of alcohol, so ensuring alcohol products cannot be sold beneath a certain cost to the public. Unlike taxation, which affects the price of all products, MUP increases the price of only the cheapest, strongest alcohol. The WHO, Europe, in its update on alcohol pricing actions, states that MUP, that there is robust evidence based supporting its effectiveness at reducing alcohol use and harm, particularly in the heaviest drinkers, and emerging evidence from both Scotland and Wales and eastern parts of the European region, and Australia's Northern Territory, added to the already notable body of evidence from the Canadian provinces, has shown that MUP can bring about real meaningful change. And so today, I'm delighted to be joined in our discussion on these matters by Alison Douglas, who is Chief Executive of Alcohol Focus Scotland, a national charity working to prevent and reduce alcohol harm. And Nick Taylor, Research Fellow from the Faculty of Health at Deakin University in Australia, who, along with a great team in Deakin, has investigated the introduction of MUP in the Northern Territory, where alcohol-related harm is most pronounced. So thank you both for joining us and for giving us of your time. And I'm just hoping that maybe to begin this discussion this morning, perhaps we could just take a little time... To explore the context of your own country and your own place and maybe give our listeners an overview of the concerns that existed around alcohol harm there and and why adopting minimum pricing was a policy instrument that was required and typically what has been the central outcomes to 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 date, in in relation to the early application of minimum unit pricing, so maybe if I could, I could ask, I'll invite Alison, maybe to just start first and give us a little bit of an overview on the Scottish experience, which of course came into place in Scotland in May of 2018, I think, Alison.
2: That's right, Ian, and thanks very much. I'm delighted to to join you on this podcast, and congratulations to Ireland on implementing minimum unit price. If we go back to why Scotland uh, pursued this policy, we had a change of administration in 2008, and just prior to that, Scotland had actually replicated what Ireland had done in terms of um, uh, implementing a smoking ban, and the incoming administration were keen to continue to make strides in public health And they identified alcohol as really being a massive public health impact in Scotland. And one of the most obvious manifestations of that was a a, a, a huge increase in chronic liver disease and cirrhosis in Scotland. So we'd actually seen a tripling of liver cirrhosis deaths between the 1980s and into the early 2000s. And this was something that really gave ministers pause for thoughts. They they could see also that that harm was really just the tip of the iceberg and recognising that alcohol, which had, had been previously kind of seen as primarily an issue about binge drinking and about public order and safety, you know, on weekends and associated with licensed premises, there was a kind of broader understanding emerging of the true impact of alcohol harm um, on people's health and on social relationships, family relationships, and on the economy. So we were, we were kind of deepening our understanding of how alcohol was acting as a brake on the whole of society. One of the bits of work that was undertaken was looking at the economic cost and it it was estimated that the total cost of alcohol to this to Scotland was three and a half billion pounds a year and that was taking into account the cost on health services on our prisons because um over half of or around half of prisoners reported being drunk at the time of their offending two-thirds of murders were associated with alcohol in relation to children we were seeing that over 65,000 children were estimated to be living with a parent with an alcohol problem. And in terms of the impact on the NHS, it was estimated that 11% of all hospital um, admissions, emergency admissions, were due to alcohol. It's
0: funny, it's very similar very similar to an, the picture in Ireland, Alison, yeah.
2: Right, yeah. So there's this really corrosive effect, and that was you know, ringing alarm bells for ministers. But crucially, of course, that Scotland didn't have and doesn't have taxation powers because of the, the nature of the devolution settlement in the UK. So, whilst it's internationally recognised that price is a major driver of alcohol consumption and alcohol harm, Scotland didn't have the mechanism of increasing taxation. So, there was a, a, a kind of need to look for alternative pricing mechanisms. Um, so, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. So, in looking around, the one of the options that was identified was the option of a minimum unit price. And as you said earlier, you know, the the thing about minimum unit price is it's a floor price below which alcohol cannot be sold. And we started talking about 50 pence back in 2009, when this policy was first being debated in Scotland. Just to give you an indication, alcohol, some alcohol was being sold. In fact, it was being sold you know, really even 10 years later at as low as 18 pence per unit. Those were things like strong siders. Um And what we'd seen is really this kind of the increase in consumption being driven by a kind of stack it, hit, stack it high, sell it cheap approach by supermarkets. So minimum unit price was a kind of an option about how you could very in a targeted way uh, impacts those those low cost high strength products. Um, so so that was why why we we started to to look at introducing. I, I should say you know like yourselves, this policy was not introduced or, or conceived of in isolation. Um, it was a comprehensive strategy with over forty proposals in it. So I think that's important to say that prices necessary but not sufficient to address these problems. So, you know, the the important thing as well is that it targets drinkers who are suffering the greatest harm because those are the people who are most price sensitive. People have drifted towards using the cheapest alcohol because that's where you know to put it bluntly they get more bang for their buck and that's what happens when people are are you know increasing or drinking at very high high levels so that was kind of why we introduced minimum unit price uh, some listeners may be aware unfortunately despite the um, democratic will of the Scottish Parliament in approving this policy in in May 2012, And there was a a very long battle with alcohol producers taking the Scottish government to court to prevent them from implementing the policy and that various iterations of that uh, legal challenge um, went on for almost five years. And that's why we were only finally able to implement the policy in May 2018. So, so I guess you want to know what, what what what's been the impact. So there have there have been some, you know, significant positive impacts from the implementation of the policy. Most notably is the reduction in alcohol consumption. So it's estimated that minimum unit prices brought about a three and a half percent reduction uh, of sales in Scotland. Now. You know that may not sound like a lot, but actually that is the the level of effect that we were kind of hoping for. Yeah, it
0: was it was what was modelled on it, wasn't Absolutely. it? That, uh, you,
2: hmm. Yeah. So so that's that's a big tick in that box. But obviously, what we want to see is the impact on harm. We've had two full years of alcohol death data since minimum unit you know, price was introduced. In the first year, we saw a 10% reduction in alcohol specific deaths. So, you know, that was really very, very encouraging. Unfortunately, in 2020, uh, we saw a significant increase in alcohol specific deaths of 17%. Now, we've seen similar actually even higher increases in england in that year so i think most analysts are are attributing that to the effect of the pandemic because what we've seen repeatedly is that people who were who had been relying on alcohol perhaps to to try you know however misguided to to manage their stress and anxiety that they, the, the heaviest drinkers are the people who've been reporting, or heavier drinkers, have been reporting drinking more during the pandemic. And sadly, we think that that is what has led to this uh, spike in alcohol-specific deaths.
0: Yeah, and during that COVID experience in, in Scotland, were, were many of the licensed premises closed during that period?
2: Yes, yeah, so the um the... On on trades the so sort of bars and restaurants were closed and and obviously we saw you know near you know total collapse of sales in that sector. However, the off trade were considered to be part of essential services, which obviously you know is unhelpful and what we saw was the alcohol sales from the off trades significantly increasing. Not, not to completely make up the loss of the on-trade but 90% of, of the, the loss was was made up in the off-trade. So what we've seen is a lot of people drinking heavily at home, encouraged it has to be said by the alcohol industry who've been encouraging us all to become mixologists in our, in our homes.
0: Right, and in terms of the overall arching target of of the heaviest drinkers and the demographics around that have has there been any early evalu- evaluation of the impact on those particular cohorts as of yet on, on in the research?
2: Yes, there has been a study which has been looking at the the impacts of there's, there's multiple studies studies which are part of a formal evaluation, a very thorough evaluation led by our public health agency here in Scotland, and then a range of other studies which are kind of part of the wider picture, although not part of the formal evaluation. And it's one of those studies which has shown that um, MUP is having a, a significant effect on heavier drinkers and not having... An effect on moderate drinkers.
0: Sure, well, we can get into a little bit more about that when we look at the the overall, I suppose, concepts and, and and how this is actually playing out in 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 practice. Nick, it'd be great if we could maybe just get a similar overview for our listeners of what has happened in Australia, and of course, in Australia. A bit like Canada or, or other places, it, it, there are individual states within uh, Australia that are autonomous, so to speak, and obviously MUP was, was a policy instrument which was adopted by the Northern Territory state, and people would be familiar with Northern Territory by virtue of, of places and cities like Darwin and Alice Springs, it's just to kind of give people a context of where we're talking about. Can you give us a, a similar overview, perhaps, Nick? Absolutely, I
3: can. So, uh, to give people a context, Australia has quite a a heavy alcohol consumption issue. It's estimated that roughly 75% of all alcohol is consumed by the 20% of heaviest drinkers. Nowhere is this harm felt more than in the Northern Territory, which is a fairly sparsely populated area. It's about 1.4 million square kilometers, but it has only has a population of 230,000. This area alone is estimated to have an annual societal cost of $1.4 billion due to the harm created by alcohol. This area has quite a large indigenous population as well. Um, uh, roughly one third of the population is indigenous, uh, and this group of the population, about 80% live in socioeconomic disadvantage. These people experience uh, alcohol attributable death are roughly 10 times higher than the national average, while non-indigenous uh, Northern Territonians experience a death rate of roughly two times higher. And uh, sorry, an alcohol attributable death rate of two times higher. The Northern Territory has a 30-year history of trying to reduce alcohol related harm. The minimum the introduction of a minimum unit price was chosen due to its ability to target heavy alcohol consumers, many of which preference beverages such as cask wine and beer. The minimum unit price in the Northern Territory was set at $1.30 to specifically target cask wine. And sorry, cask wine, I'm aware it's not called that everywhere, is a cheap wine that's usually sold in three to five liter boxes. Wow, that's some product. It is. (laughs) And uh, three
0: to five liters.
3: Yes, I believe there are two liter casks as well, but uh, the most common that I've seen are three liters. This product was previously available at about 70 cents per standard drink. The minimum unit price brought that up to $1.30. The minimum unit price was brought in specifically to target Uh, this cheap wine product. There'd been a historical precedence uh, throughout the Northern Territory of trying to uh, reduce cask wine consumption as it was seen as particularly problematic uh, due to its low cost and relatively high alcohol percentage. The year after the minimum unit price was brought in we saw a roughly 50% decrease in cask wine consumption. I will note that Because cask wine was targeted, we didn't see this reduction in other liquor types. So something like beer, which is the most popular drink in the Northern Territory, we didn't see a significant reduction after the introduction of the minimum unit price. Um, And this was a deliberate decision by the government to try and uh, specifically target cask wine, as opposed to targeting Mm. beer. Because it
0: was do, it was presumably doing the most harm to, to a particular group that were suffering that 10 times greater potential alcohol-related deaths.
3: Absolutely. And uh, I will note cask wine was only roughly about 5% of the alcohol consumed in the Northern Territory. And so even though uh, it's such a small percent, we saw a really large reduction. And we saw reductions in other things such as alcohol related assaults alcohol uh, related hospitalizations which just goes to demonstrate uh, the amount of harm this particular beverage was causing within the territory
0: right so it was it was really a very targeted measure in that respect then in the northern territory
3: exactly it was specifically targeting one one type of liquor that was perceived as problematic and i would say it was certainly effective in reducing consumption of Cask wine, certainly.
0: And so you're now uh, you're now what about two years into this this process? You're just just gone two years. So I mean, is it uh, yeah. is, is 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 it sustaining that level of improvement in that demographic? Uh, we
3: we've, we've mainly been looking at our one year impacts. That's the data that we've been able to reliably look at at the moment. So one year after its introduction, we can say that there was a significant reduction in assaults as well as a significant reduction in consumption. I will note that um, much like in uh, Scotland, this was introduced with a, a range of measures. However, we can be pretty conclusive about the impact of the minimum unit price in Darwin. As this area, it was the only intervention that was introduced into this area.
0: Right, okay. So maybe we can just move on and just bring in Alison again and maybe we can just talk collectively just around some of the issues that are presenting itself. And Alison, if you can, maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about just where you see MUP moving forward now at this point. Um, because I know there are, there are a number of challenges potentially over the horizon, so to speak, in terms of Scotland. And of course, the big issue, I think, is, is the race that that MUP has been set at in Scotland. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about that. and, And what about the context of the 2023 sunset clause and where you think this is going?
2: Yeah, so as you mentioned, we have a sunset clause in the Scottish legislation and that means that the policy will fall in April 2024 unless the Scottish Parliament actively votes to Uh, Reinstated. But in the interim, the Scottish Government had committed to reviewing the level of minimum unit price because this price had been being discussed since minimum unit price was first on the table in Scotland, which was back in 2009. The first Vote in the parliament, which rejected the policy, was in 2010, and then it was accepted and supported, cross-party support in in 2012. But the modelling obviously was projecting, you know, the impact of 50 pence per unit, and that that was the the level at which the whole debate was was based. But even when the modelling was undertaken, we knew that. 60 pence per unit would deliver double the benefit of 50 pence per unit, and 70 pence per unit would have delivered triple the benefit of 50 pence per unit. But the reason that 50 pence was kind of regarded as a suitable compromise was that because Scotland was the first country in the world to implement minimum unit price in this form, There were concerns that there might be some unintended consequences, for example that there might be people travelling to England to buy their alcohol, that people might swap from alcohol to illegal drugs that the industry might be badly affected. So there were risks that there would be some unintended and undesirable consequences. And I think the evaluation so far has shown that those concerns are not borne out by the evidence. We haven't seen people driving in droves to England. We haven't seen evidence that significant numbers of people are moving to legal drugs we haven't seen that the industry has been badly affected. In fact, corner shops are able to compete more easily with supermarkets because supermarkets can't undercut them on price. So, so you know, the, the, the positive evidence is there about the benefits and there's, there's not really any particular negative evidence that we need to be concerned about. But the impact of 50 pence has obviously been eroded because of the delay in implementing it due to the court case so a, a, a price of 61 pence today would be would be equivalent to 50 pence when the parliament voted it in in, in 2012.
0: And that's because of inflation, of course, exactly. in the intervening period.
2: Exactly. So we're we're campaigning at the moment to get the price increased to at least 65 pence per unit. That would make good inflation and start to deliver us a bit of increased benefit.
0: Yeah. And of course, that, that, that key issue of affordability is, is the context that's often overlooked. You know, I mean, I know that the OECD did a particularly... Uh, interesting report on preventing alcohol harm. In the context of Ireland, it looked at affordability of alcohol over the last tw- two decades of the last 20 years, and essentially affordability has doubled in that period. And, and, and that's largely, of course, because The price of alcohol in in the in the in the retail sector but of course other other aspects like excise duties haven't increased to 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 reflect the inflationary pressures which is which are affecting all of the other costs in society nick is it is is the price in in australia or in in the northern territory at one dollar thirty is that a is that a let's say let's call it a competitive rate, or do you think that there's scope in terms of where that like you were talking like it only impacted on on the really on the cask wine issue is it is it because the the price is so low that it hasn't impacted on other products?
3: yeah, i w- I would say it's because it's still quite a low price. Um a cheap beer is around a dollar thirty uh, here in Australia or in the Northern Territory anyway. So I would say, that's why a dollar thirty was uh, the price that was selected. Originally, uh, the recommendation was a dollar fifty to reduce alcohol-related harm, uh, but the the government chose to do a dollar thirty as to not affect uh, beer purchases specifically.
0: And is there a context in in the legislation for the Northern Territory to review that cost at some point? So there's going to be a
3: three-year evaluation, and I suspect we'll hear more about uh, their thoughts after that's conducted.
0: Right, and Alison, in terms of Scotland, I mean, it, like it, when you do the kind of and uh, it's a little bit complicated, I know this now probably for our listeners, but when you when you do the conversions of both currency and standard drinks measure, it, you know the, the the rate of MUP in Ireland. If it was applied in Scotland, it would actually be sixty-seven pence or somewhere between sixty-seven and seventy pence. So, in the in the context, I know you're campaigning at the moment. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe how how you see that rate rate increase likely coming about?
2: The the part of the challenge that we've got in Scotland is to do with Brexit and the Internal Market Act that's been put in place in in the exactly. UK. And unfortunately, that kind of moves the goalposts in terms of the legal test for minimum unit price. So we had those, you know, near five years of court cases um, to before we could implement the policy. the The government here is concerned that uh, when it looks to um, uprate or review the the price for for uh, alcohol, that there's a risk that there may be a further legal challenge because the the test now is different under this new domestic legislation rather than, you know, whether whether it's compatible with EU law. So, in order to meet that test, uh, they want to go through a very sort of thorough process of reviewing the evidence, so that they, you know, if in the event of a court case they would be um, on robust ground uh, for why they've increased it. You know, I mean really that's very frustrating and what it speaks to for me is that we need to find in future legislation an automatic mechanism for index linking minimum unit price so that we it doesn't need to be waiting on political will and opportunity to to bring forward increases that it is moving moving up albeit that you might still from time to time do a review to see whether you know you could further increase it to uh, bring greater benefit.
0: Yeah no, the, the whole Brexit context is, is something that uh, obviously is certainly going to be complicating that matter for sure and Nikki, in terms of Australia, is there is there a, is there a particular desire to uh, extend MUP? Do you think into place other places, maybe like Western Australia or Victoria or you know New South Wales, for example? I mean, is it, is there is there a movement to try? We've and- certainly
3: uh, been speaking to um, some advocacy groups who are very interested in the uh, the data we're producing. For, for example, one of the main worries about minimum unit price is that it will affect everyone, uh, including moderate drinkers. And we were recently able to demonstrate that uh, for moderate drinkers who weren't consuming cask wine in the Northern Territory, that their annual expenditure on alcohol only increased by about $3 on average, which is pretty negligible. So if you're not really a target of this intervention, you're not really going to be affected. So that's something that a lot of advocacy groups down here have been trying to take to their their local representatives and present that information to them, yeah. Very good. One note that I had from one of our earlier discussions was uh, you were quite interested in the minimum unit prices' ability to reduce assaults. And from my background as a nightlife researcher, I just wanted to say that one of the biggest causes of assaults or one of the biggest predictors of assaults in nightlife areas is pre-drinking and minimum unit price is one of the only interventions that can really effectively target that. There isn't currently any available studies on that, but certainly something that I'm really interested in looking looking toward in the future to see how minimum unit price affects nightlife related harm like that.
0: Yeah, and that's very interesting because at the same time that Ireland is introducing minimum unit pricing, next year we're also, the government here at the, at the moment is is intending to produce a, what's called a sale of alcohol bill, which will actually liberalise some of the availability and, and is focused on supposedly uh, invigorating the nighttime economy so that's certainly a space that's certainly uh, worth keeping some some close eyes on and i know there has been some there's been some work done on on evaluating s- some degree of that in in scotland as well Alison, is that right yeah
2: the evidence from scotland is that it hasn't really had much effect on crime so far then the researchers do say that either the level of effect isn't isn't sufficient for them to be able to measure it or the price isn't high enough to create, you know, substantive enough effect. So yeah, but we're not we're not seeing that. But you know, certainly the original modelling suggested that we should see a benefit. So, you know, I think I would agree with them that we need to we need to see the price increase to to start to see that
0: benefit. And just to just to close this discussion, then I mean, just as as a policy in both of you obviously have a particular insight and real real life experience of this. I mean, you know, is it is it is it the case that minimum unit pricing really needs a sustained period of time to really ascertain the impact? I, mean, I know like Alison, you're looking at a period of two years, Nick, similarly Northern Territory is just two years. I mean, is 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 that too little a time really to to get a, a good sense of how effective this is. And of course, related to that need, needs to be probably some, as you say, Alison, some dy- dynamic of a pricing measure that maintains it with a with a CPI rate. Uh, but I'm just curious what, what your thoughts are in relation to that time frame.
2: We've always known that minimum unit price is a preventative policy whose benefit builds over time. You. When we think of alcohol harm, we, we often, you know, historically have thought about accidents and assaults and, you know, very short-term harms, but actually things like cancer, heart disease may be taking 20 years to manifest themselves. So, you know, that, that preventative dimension of the policy, you know, it's not just about people who are drinking at high levels at the moment, is trying to stop the next generation and also prevent people who, you know, have do do drink regularly but are maybe not drinking above recommended limits. So I think we we do need to take the long view and we do need to ensure the that we continue to optimise the the policy by making sure that it the the level at which it's set um, makes sense in terms of overall affordability.
0: Nick, can I give you the
3: last word on that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's going to take um, many years for us to start to see the real benefits of mere unit price, especially in terms of those long-term harms such as cancer and liver disease. And I'd also note that it's gonna take many years before we see sort of the intergenerational impact that being raised in a home with less alcohol-related harm is, is going to have on not just the generation that's coming through, but
0: their children as well. Very good point. Well, look, thank you, thank you both for your time today. If you'd like to learn more about minimum unit pricing and how it can be most effective, you'll find more on Alcohol Action Ireland's website at alcoholireland.ie and you can keep in touch with the AI by following us at Alcohol Ireland across all social media platforms. As this is our last show for 2021, I'd like to thank you, the 2,500 listeners, for supporting our podcast and helping us build a strong subscriber base. We wish you and yours a very happy Christmas and look forward to welcoming you back for more expert analysis, discussion, and insight from across the globe into the many complex issues related to alcohol use and the challenges with recalibrating our harmful relationship with alcohol. But for now, Stay
1: safe.